created live on Fireside. Hello, everyone. How are you? Well, everyone, welcome to YNS Live. I am your host, Juliette Hahn, and you guys all know Tammy. Oh, my God. I am so excited to dive into this. I think we met in a room, um, and I'm trying to think of whose room it was, but it was really funny because we start- Ross yes. the boss. Ross the boss. Yes. And we started talking about um, sports, kids yes. sports or something. Cause I was sitting outside with like, you know, waiting for soccer. And then we really like started talking and we both, I, I you had me cracking up because it was just so freaking funny. Um, yeah. so well, anyway. and I watched your NFL thread because I'm the daughter of a former pro football player. And I used to have seminars years ago before it was popular, uh, teaching, like I would take an hour and debrief women on, the NFL and the NBA so they could spend time. It's archaic, I know, but with their husbands and their boyfriends and understand what was going on. No, I love that. And I don't think I knew that about you. So I even love that even more. Oh my gosh, oh, we got to, we got we got to dive into that too. Well, so anyone that doesn't, can you just like, you know, introduce yourself so people that don't know um, can get a little sense of, of you? Well, I'm Tammy and I'm a comedian. I don't like, I don't, <laughs> I don't like to go through all the, you know, I mean, that's, that's, a, I, I'm a comedian. So if you don't know me, that's okay. But if you're in comedy, you know who I am. And that's, yes. that's that. And, and funny. I mean, like, I absolutely love your stuff. I, it, my face hurts just like watching um, and, and listening to you. And I think when we were talking about it was because you have how many kids do you have? You have teens as well. I just have one that I know about. And yeah, he's <laughs> 14 now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so and yeah. what sports does he play? Because I know that that's because I have a 14 year old as well. Who knows every I mean, everything from football to basketball to wrestling to now I have to leave here because we have a track meet like, you know, there's just always something. <laughs> but that's again, I grew up with that. My father was a coach after football and my brothers were into all the sports and, you know, they were wrestlers in Iowa. Mm -hmm. My brother was a state champ in Iowa. So like sports has been always on the tip. And I think that's why, what made me such a good comic. Um, I'm not saying that's such a good comic. That comic—that sounds horrible, but so good no, at the business yes. of comedy because oh I God, always wanted to win or at least have a plan if I lost how to come back and win again. Right. So tell us a little bit about, so your dad played um, in at football. What's so for what team? And so it was the, Again, old days, um, he literally played for what they called uh, the the minor leagues back then. Yeah. So it was, and he played for uh, he played for the St. Louis Cardinals, and then their farm team, which was the Defiance Generals, and then went up and retired with just like one down with the Cleveland Browns because they were trying to do something nice for the hometown boys. <laughs> That's okay. My dog and my cat are up. To Carly Jane, come here, please. And I have a home phone that I unplug, but who knows? Sometimes, it, you know, the people override it. Yeah, no, totally. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna have you. She's going to keep you on. Carly Jane, come here. This is actually Aww. the first time. The How first cute. time I've had the dogs bark um, on a show. And I do this with them sitting there every day. And so it's actually really funny. There must My be voice. something really Hello, funny. Carly Jane. Hello, Carly Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, but, so you have, I mean, a lot of background. You said you have brothers. So were you the only girl or do you yes. have? Yes. Which also led to my comedy. I mean, it's often been said that I was, you know, as strong and fast and still throw the best spiral in that, in the family, but they, it. 
they got stronger and faster just by pure genetics. So they could never outrun my mouth. And that's how it all started. <laughs> well, I love that. So I have um, two boys and then my daughter and she, it's, it's really interesting to see. I grew up with sisters and one, one brother and we were tough. I mean, we all played sports and we were not, mm -hmm. my brother would always say like, I learned nothing from you ladies. Like you did not give me what normal women are. You guys were not normal women. You weren't gossipy. You took five minutes in the shower. Like you threw makeup on. You were all like, like seemed put together. And, and so we always laugh because when he was date people, we'd be like, wow, that person's, there's a lot to them. And we were all big personalities, but just there wasn't a lot of drama behind us. And and really every single one of us, there wasn't a lot of drama, which is kind of funny. So having two boys and then having a daughter and watching her kind of navigate and she's, she's balls to the walls. I mean, when she would, you know, friends, she says it how it is. She is not like a sensitive flower. We That's you know important. didn't raise her that way. Well, it's really important, right? I mean, because you can have families that it's like, oh, you're the only girl, you're the princess, right? <laughs> Well, I was told I was a princess, but my father was clear he was the king. So like he goes, if you're the princess, that makes me the king. But I also think that, look, I have always been attracted as French in friendships to alpha females. Now, yeah. I think there's definitely room for girly girls and I respect that. It's just, I'm almost like a guy when it comes to it. I don't understand yeah. it. So I never knew that you could write a note and get out of gym class and say you had cramps. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I had to learn all this dumb stuff. I had to do the parachute thing and the sit-up challenge and try to climb a rope. I should have had cramps. I didn't know all that stuff. So I think there's always something to be said. I love that. I found that out later in life. I mean, I moved to Los Angeles and moved into what um, I lovingly refer to as a stripper colony. And I think those women who I would have never hung out with had it not been LA. And uh, as a comic, I had Monday and Tuesdays off and that's what strippers have same time off. Uh, they taught me how to be girly. They taught me how to put my makeup on right. They taught me how to do, you know, I always loved fashion, but they, they taught me how to flirt. I was, I did a joke about it once on one of my Tonight Show sets. I don't remember which one, but you have to ask Ross. But I was like, I flirt from Joey from Friends. How you doing? You know what I mean? Like that was, I was never good at that stuff. No, it, it's just so funny because that's I. Even though I had sisters, I kind of grew up where it like my pup is like literally. Can you guys look look at this? Ready? You want to see this? Oh, hey, <laughs> that's Herbie. That is Herbie Han. Um, so they're like literally like on top of me. This is a course. I'm, I'm so glad it's, it's with the good. community. I like when dogs show up in, in the thing because I want to let people know, yes, I have a security system and yes, I have hidden right. weapons. I also have an animal that will get you. So let's right. also get that clear. You can walk to my door. You just probably won't walk out of my door. <laughs> no, totally. totally. I'm going to actually get up and let them out because they're going to go and be crazy. So I'm going to have you tell us your um, when you get prepared for like a comedy set, what, what, what do you start doing 
Like, or is it just come That's right boring. now? I do nothing, but go ahead and get up and uh, no. <laughs> okay. just give me yeah. one. That's go ahead. My dog, by the way, just so everybody knows, has been ringing the bell. If you hear a bell ringing, I taught my dog to ring a bell to go outside because I did do a show with Caesar Milan, and that was I've done random shows with random people. Caesar Milan taught me how to teach my dog how to ring a bell. Uh, <laughs> Guy Pieri told me how to use the the school of boss the colander correct. Um, and uh, Rocco Despirito taught me how to put the silverware out correctly because I didn't really know how to do all that. So, okay, so I, I love that I just caught that. I don't, I don't do a prep for my show, Julie. I've been doing it for twenty six years, and I there may be a joke or two that I go through my head, but there's no real prep for me because it's what I've been doing for so long. I put my ten thousand hours in. That doesn't mean I don't work at my show, but my routine is to actually. There's no prep because I don't know how anybody's going to respond. I have to do it and it's out there and I know immediately whether the joke works or it doesn't. And maybe should I move it? Is it something that you need to get to know me first? Is it something that goes with something else? Like I'm in a whole rebuild because in 2020, um, my com I, I have a couple specials, but my special, the way after school special came out on prime and it came out literally March 17th. So yes, oh. it's, great numbers, right, got great right. numbers, wonderful numbers. Yeah. They want me to do another one. Uh, the only thing is though, is I didn't have time to rebuild it because we are now just getting back to work and I write with a muse and I have to perform it. So. No, I love that. And you know what? And thank you for, for talking. I was all of a sudden like, oh my God, thank God I have pants on. Because <laughs> 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 that, That's happened before. That, well, that, yeah, totally has happened before. And literally I was like, what am I wearing underneath? Because <laughs> I... <laughs> so, See, I that, admire this. I never, like everybody for years would say to me, you have to have a podcast or you have to have this. And I just, all my creativity was focused on the stage and trying to make sure that... I had a new hour and new jokes and new, and I didn't in a weird way, the shutdown allowed me to venture into this. Cause I kind of felt like, Oh, I don't have anything to say outside of jokes. So this is a real interesting thing. And it's new. I admire you and what you've done with it. Oh no, thank you. Well, you know, it's so funny when you said how you just kind of go and you just do your set. And that's like, you know, we talk about this on the podcast all the time. Like, when you are in your elm, like when you are, whether you believe in God or the universe, when you're in that space, and as you said, it doesn't come easy, but it just comes naturally. It's so, I love that you said that because I literally got goosebumps because that's when, when I started this, you know, two, three years ago, it was like, wait a second. This is like, I know what I'm doing. Like if anyone's like, hey, can I give you a tip? I'm like, you can give me a tip, but this just comes naturally to me. Like I don't, I don't want to get myself all inter twined and overthinking because that's not me anyways. But when you're in your out, like when you are in what you were supposed to do, it kind of just flows. So I love that you, you said that. Um, yeah, it was hard for me because shows. I, well, thank you. Um, I, I had a hard time po with podcasts and things in general for me to, for, for me not to join it, not to listen to them, but for me, because I simultaneously did an open mic that was sponsored by a radio station. So as I became a comedian, I was offered a job doing morning radio and morning radio was so succinct. And so you had to say this at the right time within this many seconds and drop this and say that. So right. the podcast, the free flow, I was a little lost. I was like, wait, wait, we, what do you mean? You just, you can cough 
you can, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, you get up and let your dogs out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all that stuff. And I love that's, it's funny. The thing that I had the hardest time with was the thing that I found the most attractive. It was a real moment. Like, you know I what I mean? That. I'm in the middle of this with you. But if I were just watching you getting up and letting your dogs out is a real moment to me that I would, would be highly attracted to. Well, that's true because it's not scripted. And and there's some, you know, there are some people that are a little bit more, you know, where they have to be a little bit more organized because that's the way their brain works. Like when I, when people ask me like, okay, how did you start this? And what tips can you give? I always say you need to know how you work best, mm-hmm. right? So I know if I, I'm dyslexic. So if I had like a paper with all this stuff written on it and I have to read it, like I have to practice that stuff, but like I can talk for hours. I can talk to myself for hours. I can talk to the dogs for hours. I can tell a story to anyone that's because that's, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm natural at. And so I would love for you to just give me really quickly when you figured out that you wanted to be a, a, a comedian, like did, did that come like when you were younger? Just can you give us a little bit of that background? Yeah. No, you know, here's the thing. I love stand up. I love to laugh. I didn't grow up in a family that had a ton of laughter. It's not that we didn't, we laughed, but it wasn't a, we didn't sit down and watch comedies together or things right. like that. We laughed a lot at, you know, if you fell off your bike and you weren't hurt, we were busting up. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Slip on the ice. It was the, my favorite time of the year, ice slip season. But like, I grew up, you know, I mean, I was a good kid. I was afraid to disappoint my parents, but I loved stand up. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Consumed it in all ways. Even had an Eddie Murphy tape at age 14 that I wasn't supposed to have like this contraband. I'll never forget. After church, we stopped at what was the equivalent of the Walmart back then, Kmart. And um, I I told my mom, oh, I have to use the restroom as she had checked out. And I ran and got the Eddie Murphy tape and bought it from one of my friend's older sister who was a cashier because they wouldn't sell you something when you were 14, right? Like, right. And I oh, hit I it. This is the sneakiest I got. I hit an Eddie Murphy tape. I went into my closet with a sleeping bag and the old pressed down tape <laughs> so I could hear it like at nighttime when I was supposed to be in bed, but it never occurred to me to be a comic because for whatever reason it was, because you know, I know why it's a tough business. The women that I saw during that time, I couldn't relate to. They were talking about their husbands or they were talking about their kids or their sequins or their facelifts, exactly where I am right now in my life. Okay. (laughs) But I just, and then I'll never forget um, my Parents moved while I was in college. I was a fashion design major. I was going to go away for the summer or for after summer. I was hanging out with them in that summer. Didn't know anybody. There was a comedy club. I said, I have a fake idea. I can work over there and serve beer, watch comedy, make some friends, make a little money. And then I'll go to New York in the fall. And a woman came through and she was young. And they have a, a comedy is three sis, a three part um outside of like New York or LA or San Francisco, it's an MC feature and a headliner. And she was an MC and I was talking to her. And in my opinion, at the time, I did not think she was very funny, but she was telling me how she was going all traveling all around the country and going all these places. I was like, I could do that. And with my big mouth, I went home and said, I'm as funny as this girl. And then a $50 bet with my brothers, my entire career started. So, <gasps> Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. And so how, how many brothers? I have two, but I have 11 first cousins. And at the time, two of my first cousins were living with us. They're, oh, they're all boys too. 11 first cousins that were all right. boys. 
And I freaking so I now I need to know more about that story. So how did fifty like what what did you say to them? What so did they how did bucks, they- so I went to the 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 manager and I was like, I think I want to try open mic night. I think I might be a good comedian. She was like, Good, because you're a, a crappy waitress. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. You have to give me um I need to see your first three minutes. You'll have five minutes. And I was like, I got hours, but you don't realize how important it is. Sure. You can entertain 5 million of your friends, but to have people who pay money to see you three minutes is extravagant. So I submitted my material and my first joke I ever wrote was something I used to say at the nightclubs back then, because I have large breasts, I have large features, big eyes, big nose, big mouth, the big, big breasts. And guys would say, are those real? Cause it was a time when, you know, right. people didn't know there weren't a lot of breast implants. And I would say, uh, if you thought, if you, th- they would say, are you, re- oh, I can't even remember this stupid joke, but they go, <laughs> are those real. And I'd say, don't you think if I'd had that kind of money, I'd have had my nose fixed first. So <laughs> that was my first joke that I unknowingly wrote. And then right. I kind of just went from there. I love that. So, you know, this is actually funny because I have, I have strong features too, my ears and my nose. And I always say, um, you know, they, they grow forever. So I have, as I said, stated in the beginning, I have sisters and a brother. And so I always tell them I'm the hottest right now. I was not the hottest when I first was born, but I'm the hottest now. And I was like, give it like 10 years and one of you out take me because my nose and my ears will now be out of proportion <laughs> to my face. But, and they're like, you're such an asshole. And I'm, because they are like, we're attractive. I'm like, you are, but I'm so much hotter right now. Like I, my, <laughs> everything fits. <laughs> and then That's my- funny. I have the opposite. I just went to like, I joke about it in my act now, but like I gained a lot of weight during quarantine. I also turned 52 during quarantine. Uh, right. I'm full blown <laughs> menopause. I have liver oh. disease. I have a lot of thyroid issues. So I gained a lot of weight. I gained a lot. And, um, uh, my brother said to me, the other day he looked at me, he goes, what, you don't work out no more? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> no, I don't. Because once I found out that someone could eat a bat and kill us all, I'm over it. <laughs> I'm like, right, why, right. Am I, why am I at the gym? Right. Now, where did you grow up? Cleveland, the little uh, suburb of Cleveland, a little town called Perry, Ohio. It's where I filmed my last special. I went back to my old high school because my guidance counselor in 10th grade, when I said I wanted to be an actress, um, I knew I wanted to perform. I just had no idea that comedy was it. Um, And comedy came natural because if you forgot, I was always in all the plays and stuff. If you forgot your lines, I would ad lib you to back to book. So I knew that I could do stand up because that's just ad libbing for yourself. Right. Right. So, um, I went to my guidance counselor. I said, I want to be an actress. And she busted out laughing right in my face and said, <laughs> you're from here. No one from here has ever been on TV. If you're going to be on TV, you're going to have to rob a bank. And she just laughed me right out of her office. So I was going to, not only I went back the idea was that I put the entire town on TV. I had um, the kids work with professionals in the entertainment industry. We set up a, a scholarship and I was going to make her introduce me and she died two weeks before. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> revenge is not best served cold. You got to get right back in there. But um, yeah, that was, that was all about. 
You know what? It's so funny that you said not, I guess it's not funny, but guidance counselors, I played sports. And so I was dyslexic, as I said. And so school came really hard for me, but I was really, really good at athletics and I wanted to go to college. And she would tell me, you're not going to go to college. And, and I, the town I grew up in, everyone was good at everything. Like my friends were really good in sports. They were like all, you know, getting recruited by Harvard, Yale and stuff. But I was just as good as them as in sports, maybe even better. And I remember being like, what? You don't tell someone that. Like you don't tell someone they're not going to go to college. So when I did go to college and I got on the honor roll, my mom sent the letter because my mom is in education and like very big and like, you know, uh, with a sticky. Don't tell people what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. Like what an That's asshole. Yeah. Misguidance counselors, right? Now, let me ask you something. As someone for me who was in really, truly a male-dominated field until probably the last 10 years I've seen the explosion, and somewhere in my in my brain, whether it's true or not, I like to feel like I had something to do with that with 100% females. 100% you did. Yes. Yes, you did. Um, and as someone who participated in sports, and, and I, quite honestly, fought for women's sports a lot of us of our generation because the first thing when a school closed a budget they would do is get rid of the girls sports get rid of volleyball get rid of cheerleading get rid of uh baseball mm -hmm. all the girls stuff girls stuff went first people don't understand that nowadays that we literally in the past 30 years or so that they're available because a lot of time like when i started school there wasn't a girls basketball team it it developed so right. um how do you feel about, because I have a friend who had a daughter who was literally um, like a hurdle specialist, like training at age 14 for the Olympics and it becomes her senior year. And she's now very nervous because the lead in the, her league now is a transgender boy, uh, girl. Okay. How do you, how do you stand on all that right now? Oh, that's, we're getting controversial here. Okay. Well, it, it's so, not, you know, and I don't want to make it controversial because no, yeah. I, I want it to be, listen, I, I, I love inclusion. I yes. love, let me be clear. So no one thinks that it's controversial. I love inclusion. I, I also started the P flag parents and friends of lesbians and gays in college. I mean, yeah. in high school. So I'm totally down for all inclusion. I'm just wondering if we're doing a disservice to. Yes, we to, are all of our children, whether they're transgender children or biologically or starting as, as a uh, so, so here's my, here's my thing. So we, where I grew up, we were actually very fortunate. The women were stronger in sports than the men. And so this is what we always laughed. It was like a wealthy town in New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. And so my mom would always say it was all like the very athletic, very pretty women that married dorky men from other places. So the men weren't athletic, but the women were athletic, right? That's so, right. But, they were, yeah, that's but they were like wealthy and they were super successful. So I never had that. But I would say now, I mean, like with the swimming thing, I that angered me because I was like, well, hold on. We're like putting women back down. Like you're an Again, I have two boys. You have a, you you grew up in the man's world, and you know with with your family, and you have a son. It, it men are most for the most part built stronger, right? But I have a daughter that I've always told her you can do anything, and my daughter is super strong. She was a gymnast, super athletic. You can do anything, but there is a certain point, right, that a male is going to for the majority be stronger. So That's for, why I don't play football because I would have loved to have been a lineman. Totally right. 
me. That's why right. someone wants to get on my stage. You should try because I've been dying to hit someone since the nineties. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. So I I have a problem with with and I and again and I don't want to say it in the wrong, but with a male that has changed into a female, but later in life, so they've developed for like they have gone through everything. They've gone through puberty. They are a man. And then they decide to be a transgender. That I'm fine. I mean, my sister's gay. I'm like, you know, I, I have my nephew. I am all about be who you want and, and, and yell it out from the rooftops. I don't care about any of that, but I feel yeah, we're specifically talking about competition right yeah, now. I don't <laughs> think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong because it is again, putting the woman, like the women, we have worked so hard and certain things and all of a sudden it's hey, like, I was oh. mad at Caitlin for taking woman of the year. I'm like, you've barely been a woman. I'm happy or you look beautiful. But listen, I think yeah. I, I want to put you on the, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, it's, it's really fine. It's a really big question. And I feel like we're, we're really not serving. There's something new now. There's this, the, we have to include, but perhaps we need to have delineating lines, you know no, what I and mean? And you know what? And it's, it's someone in a year or two years is going to come back and be like, who made that decision? That was so dumb. It's because no one wants to say no, because they don't want to get canceled. They don't want to get in trouble. So people are not really thinking fully that the, the girl that won that, you know, NCA swimming, mm -hmm. she, I don't know when she transitioned, but if I was the other, you know, the one that came in second, I would be pissed. Because well, yeah, I feel like they all, listen, it is so hard to compete. When I said that I wanted to continue my comedy career when I was pregnant, I, I never even thought about it, but it was literally, I'm telling you, my agent said to me, I sat down in his office, by the way, I was so Hollywood emaciated that I hit it till I was five months pregnant. And I said, uh, you know, I'm pregnant. And he goes, oh, well, I guess your career's over. And I, I, I said, this is this wasn't a ruse to get a man. I'm like, what you, now that I, what do you think? And he's like, well, I've never seen a pregnant woman on stage. And it also gave me one of my best jokes because I did reply. You've never been to a really bad strip club. But I think that that, I think people put on other people what their presumptions are. And I think in, in these sporting events, we really are doing such a disservice to this generation that feels strong enough to transition and by all means, if you've come, that poor girl who came in second place, she's allowed to be disappointed and it has nothing to do with her being prejudiced or. or no, you know. that's the thing. So, and that's, yeah, so we have it's to really find a way to meet. We have to really find a way to meet. And it's really, it is. And the other thing that it's also, I think it brings, it makes other people angry that don't need to be angry, right? Like it's bringing an attention to like, I was annoyed at the, the like, I was like, you I would be ashamed if I were her, you know, like of her, like, I'd be like, no, I don't want to compete. But again, that's not mine, but that's my initial thing. Like I, if, if I worked my whole career and was so hard and then someone said, well, I'm going to now I'm transitioning, which, you know, as I said, that's wonderful transition, but don't then be like, okay, I'm, and you're, you're 13 inches taller than me. <laughs> like, I think it was Billie Jean King said the needs of the, like she, she quoted Spock, the needs of the one don't outweigh the needs of the many. And I think we just have to find a way. It's nice for me when I see women being part of comedy, you know, I, sh I filmed, there's a thing on the East coast. You probably are familiar with it. Nesson, N-E-S-N sports. I filmed, yeah. they did a comedy thing and I was seven months pregnant 
and they didn't want to play it because I was pregnant. Then you cut two years later, you know, 10 years goes by and Ali Wong is doing her comedy special and they're like, oh, it's a breakthrough. And I'm like, it, it is breakthrough because you couldn't see it, but we have been trying. They just kept pushing us down. Pushing back. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I just think that they're, it just, to me, everyone, and, and really just the way everything is right now, everyone just needs to not be an asshole and just uh, like, just because you don't agree with something doesn't mean you don't like the other per like other people you have like prejudice here. It's just, if we all could just get along and respect each other for what everyone's doing and everyone just be nice and like not be assholes. I feel like we would be in a different. It's very place. hard. You can't, you can't critique. There are certain people you can't critique because they take it like to heart and you know, and I'm like, oh, there's so many people who are too sensitive. There's a yeah. lot of too sensitive right well, now. Well, you better not be in public. Okay. That's all I'm saying. If you want to, if you're sensitive, you better not put out anything creatively in public because you will constantly be, you know, you'll constantly be criticized no matter right. what. And I have to say, we are a huge comedy house like we have my we like love stand up i mean our kids have seen stuff that sometimes i'm like I yeah I, I don't think that was appropriate but all right you know <laughs> um so we i mean love love stand up and i so i would love for you to give a little insight because that you just kind of brought a good um something up as we have talked in the house like it has to be really hard to be a comedian now because everyone's getting canceled. Like, it's like you say the wrong thing and it's like, you're canceled and people can't take a joke. You're not, it, it, it's, it's, there's such a fine line. So I would love your take on that right now yeah. in the world. Well, I mean, it's twofold, really. Number one, people are getting canceled because the world is consuming comedy and 30 second clips of comedians you were never supposed to watch. They're not meant for your demographic. So that means someone is watching you and not knowing your voice. Comedy was built on, you created a fan and then that fan followed you down that road. If you take anybody's life in 30 second snippets, you don't know their heart. You don't know the mindset. You don't hear it. So I think that's one of the problems. The second part for me is I was one of the first people canceled and I was canceled for telling the truth. I lost my agent and my manager and work and was slandered by everybody. So I'm able to handle it because my audience, all that I had left at that time um, was my fan base and they embraced me and held me. And I began selling out after that because they knew that I had been the people who followed you. I had put the time in the grassroots campaign, if you will, there weren't millions of them, but if there were 247 people at that show, there were 247 people who loved me. So they followed me down that road right. and, and then helped me. They really helped when I was like, they knew what I was going through. So they recruited people. They were like, you know what? We have the same sense of humor. You should watch this, this, female comic and you know and that's how it happened for me a little bit more that's how I got out of that hole but no I'm not afraid I say at the very beginning I don't like that people can I was really shocked really shocked in the past two weeks that people could defend someone getting physically hurt over right. words blown away blown away uh, I couldn't believe how many people could justify that action. And then I had to stop back and go, yeah, that's because they're in their homes. They're quite they're They literally, they have no sense of humor at all. And the problem is, is 
we take on the world collectively now on social media instead of just one at a time having conversations. Right. And everyone, I did, as, and you brought it up so well that you had your fan base. They knew your heart. They knew who you were as yeah. a person. So it was like, okay, no, this is a joke. So, I mean, I applaud, you know, you for what you do because it is, it can't be easy, especially in this day and age uh, with, with the whole cancel culture. I mean, that makes, cancel culture makes me absolutely insane because I'm like, we just all, what happened? It's like, what happened? And it just, it's, I thought it was going to definitely get better. <laughs> it just seems to keep getting like worse and worse. It was and- getting better until the slap. Um, I created a show called Cancel This Comedy Tour where I put some comics on it that had been canceled and um, we were having some success and now I don't even feel like going out with it because I feel like people got to, it will wait and we'll go try again. But I think people got that whole, the physical violence is bizarre to me and it's right. just, it's never okay. And you see it everywhere now. I mean, Literally three days after that, there was a kid who was running cross country and someone clocked him. Another uh, student clocked him. I don't know if you saw that. No. Because he was winning. Just came up what? and sucker punched him to the back of the head because he was beating him. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. All I can do is tell, take care of me. I know my intent. Yes. I did not get in boxing. I did not get into the MMA world. I got into the opposite of a violent job. Right. My job was to make people laugh. If you right. want to fight, if you want to be miserable over something that I assume it's not bullying, I'm not coming to your house. I'm not coming to your job. I don't even know 90% of the time individually the names of the audience. It's collective. So yeah. if you feel like it's bullying, you need therapy. Not comedy. Like, I can't you. Like, you know, I literally, I tell jokes about my brother. I tell jokes about his wives. I tell jokes about my husband. I tell jokes about me because those are real life things. And I'm allowed to narrate my life. I'm allowed to. If they want to get on stage, they want to start a podcast. They want to, you know, they want to have the opposite opinion. Those forums are open for them too. They just happen to not do it because they need me to pay for their divorces and DUIs. Right. <laughs> right. <So. laughs> oh my God. Um, but no, but I so appreciate you. And I'm sure a lot of stories growing up with, with brothers, you have to have a lot of them. And I, I have to. Tons, one, tons and tons. Tons. So this, you'll appreciate this. One of my best friends was the only girl and she had three brothers and our friend, Amy Chodakoff, who was this Amy, if you're listening, um, bright red hair. She actually had to sit. Um, she wasn't allowed to sit near the window because she would get burnt by the sun coming up. That's how, that's how pale she was. Okay. She was so pale. And she was over at Dana's house and we were all playing and she comes out of the bathroom. She's like, look at this cool thing. We probably were in like third grade. Okay. She had one of her brother's cups. Over her face. She comes out and my friend Dana's like, Ew, put that down. And she's like, why? What is it? She's like, that goes over, it does a cup, it covers their balls. And she was like, through this thing, and I'll never forget, because I had, my brother was little at the time, and I was like, what do you mean? How does this all fit? And I was like, always fascinated by the cup. So when my kids got older and they started playing sports with cups, I would literally, you know, because you would lose, like lose them, right? So it would be like, boys, where where's your freaking cup? And this is when they played baseball and I guess lacrosse for a bit. And so I would have it in my purse. And so one time when I was- 
in Whole Foods, I went to go like find my wallet. I was taking things out and I put the cup on and I just, I couldn't stop laughing. I had to call my friend Dana and I was like, I'm in the cup world now. Like, you know, where's Amy Chodokoff? You got to call her because <laughs> I'm literally carrying a cup around and putting it out on like the conveyor belt at Whole Foods. What happens you get a quick sip of water? <laughs> totally. So tell us just like one of your favorite stories of what growing up from, I mean, I'm sure that's so hard. Rem most rememberable, yeah. like something that comes to your like mind right now. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I've mined all the stories for my act, quite honestly. I mean, there was, right. there was a million of the stories, you know, that, I mean, I'll just, my brother's one kind of followed along that we used to call them uh linguine and fettuccine which are like in italian <laughs> is the tall and thin and the yeah. short fat and um i just i had the one brother that that i talk about a lot and he uh he just used to sing all the time at the top of his lungs he had a great voice but he never understood because we didn't have liner notes you couldn't ask siri and he would sing these songs all the time and like we'd put on shows for our parents and he'd be like every time you go away you take a piece of meat with you and like instead of taking a piece of me and then um another one rides the bus <laughs> and, and you couldn't tell him otherwise and that's what i should have and that he was going to grow up and be trouble for us because he just wouldn't well, listen oh the whole world knows it's another one bites the dust you see the record at least that's the title <laughs> on the record i can't read Oh my God, that's hilarious. So where are you in that? Are you the youngest? I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest of my brothers, but I'm younger than the two cousins who lived with us. So yeah, it was fun. It was a fun time growing up. I'm sure. And it, I mean, that's one thing it's, it is so, you know, people will say, I mean, I've had people say like, oh, it must be so hard to raise kids nowadays. But I always will say to them, I mean, think about all the different generations, all the things that have happened in other, you know, like 9-11, the wars, like from, you know, that they, our parents lived through. And I'm like, it's just, we all navigate it the best that we can. I mean, I wouldn't say that sure. raising kids now is harder than it was 15 years ago. It's just different. It's just, you have to well, navigate it differently. Last special was about, if you ever watch it, it's the, I, I literally say too many generations are alive at the same time. It's not that we're trying to fight. We just grew up completely different. And that's what that whole special just lays out the differences of, of we didn't talk to our kid. I mean, they didn't talk to us. There was no, you know, I said, like the joke is I told my father I'm cold and he was like, no, you're not. Like they told us how to think. They told us how to feel. Now we're supposed to be the parents that talk to our kids and go, how do you feel about that? And like, it's so foreign to me because kids were not supposed to be part of the conversation. Yeah. And you know, it's so, because my, because I'm 16, 14 and 12, my daughter's the youngest and I am all about communications and communication. And whenever something like if someone's a little quiet, I'm like, what happened? Something happened at school. And they're like, why, why does everything always, why does something always have to have happened? And I'm like, you got to talk about it. Like, if you're feeling depressed, you got to tell me. I get, and they're like, mom, we're not feeling depressed. <laughs> I know. Well, I also like, okay, so here's this, here's a mommy thing. I do monitor his activity much to my husband's dismay. He's like, he needs to have his privacy. I'm like, yeah, no. Um, he's a good kid and he's got straight A's for years and he, what, but I need to see what else other people are doing. So literally yesterday I'd been out for a few days and I just thought I'd take a scroll through Snapchat, see what he was looking at. 
and I saw that one of his friends that used to be his little buddy um, is hanging out with a group of kids and they were older. And this older kid took his little brother and body slammed him. The little boy was probably, the kid was a big chooch. He was probably 14, 15, 16 years old, like in high school. And he took his little brother, like four or five years old and slammed him. And the kid was clearly crying. And of course, all the other kids were laughing. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this because I'm not really supposed right. to be on his phone. He's not doing it. How do I, I don't know that kid, his parents. How do I follow that down that whole Link. Right. Oh, that poor little guy. Right. Yeah. And he was like hysterical crying. And I, you know, and I took all the classes. So I'm like a court mandated reporter, like, you know, because I want to be able to hang out at the school and steal extra time with my kid when I'm at home on the road. So I'm just trying to, that's what I'm in the middle of right now because it's all about, I, he didn't rat on them. He didn't even know that I saw it. So now when he, after school today, we're going to have to have a conversation so I can figure right. out who that kid is and who that family is. And now I'll be honest, who knows if the family even cares. Right. But, I know. I know. But still know. that little guy, fine. That's so sad. Yeah. It's super sad. I, and I can't believe, like, I want to grab, I, I hope I don't run into that big chooch at the track meet because I right. think I would knock him out. Right. Hey, and where's I your brother? Random kids. But I saw what you did. Like you body slammed a baby. Right. And also you put it on, this is, so the other thing is, this is what I say to my, this is what I say to my kids all the time. Be aware of your surroundings and don't be an asshole. And I have very, very good kids. But, you know, like there was my oldest, <laughs> we first moved to the town we live in now, probably seven months in, I get a call and he's never been in trouble. And I get a call and they were like, you know, Montgomery's been in involved in a fight. And I was like, what? what are you talking about? He's been involved in a fight. He doesn't fight. I was like, I, I need to know more. I don't know what you mean. They're like, there was a fight he was watching. And I was like, okay, so he wasn't involved in the fight. He was watching a fight. I was like, I okay, I I need to know more. Like, what what do you mean? Yeah, he was watching I mean, the fight. Did, like, did he walk by? Like, I, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Is it Seinfeld? So, like, you remember, like the end of Seinfeld when yeah. people had trouble, they were prosecuted for not getting involved in the fight and letting it happen. Right. So they're like, he was the watch out, and I'm like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Montgomery's not the watch out. Like, I I need to I, I need to know more about this. He doesn't so have she's yeah. like, you can come in and see the the video. It's on video, and I was like, it's on video. And she's like, yes, all the kids videoed it. And I was like, did Montgomery video? And she's like, no, because he knows. I'm like, you don't video things. Like, that's how you get in trouble. You don't video things. That's, you need to be around. So I go in and I was like, I really don't think he was involved. Like, I I, I, I feel like there's a misunderstanding. But yes, I'll come in and, I, and I'll watch. So I literally, they're, <laughs> she's showing me the thing. There's a group of kids. Now, first of all, they got, do you, were, were you back did your kids do this? There's like a slap boxing thing. They're like friends and they like say, and they, it's so stupid, but it's not like they were actually trying to hurt each other. They do the slapping yeah, thing. Yeah, well, we used okay. to play that game when we were kids too. It was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So all of a sudden I see Montgomery's, everyone's back here filming. And my kid, it was short at the time, jumps on a, like a, uh, like something higher so he could see. And he's like looking down and you see him like, oh, like this. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly he was there, but he was not a watch out. What, they're like, didn't you see him look? And I was like, okay, he is not watching. He is watching what's going on there. Look how he looks at the kid. And she's like, all right, you're right. Cause he was got, if he was a watch out, he was going to get suspended. Okay. So that's why I was like, first of all, this is like, he's never been in trouble. 
I think we need to ask, you know, more questions here. And she's like, all right, Mrs. Han. But I was like, he, he wasn't the watcher. So literally when he came home, I was, you know, he's like, how much trouble am I? I'm like, well, you're in trouble because I've, I've told you to be aware of your surroundings. Did you look straight ahead and see there was 30 phones filming in your direction? Right. <laughs> so the whole thing is you standing on the stupid block because you can't see. Reacting. I know you weren't the watch out, but you were told. And he's like, Ma, you would have watched. And I'm like, whether I would have watched or not, if the kids weren't hurt, really hurting each other, they were like being stupid and silly. Yes, I probably would have stopped, but I wouldn't have been on that side of the phone. I would have been behind them. Yeah. I was it, like, it, all it, the it, kids behind didn't get in trouble. I was like, you were like, yeah, it's really hard. Like, and it, it's, there's the fine line of like consequences. Cause I grew up with, if you got yes. in trouble at school, you got in trouble at home. Teachers were oh, the totally. final thing. But then there's also like there, we do have to, for example, my son was in first grade, second grade. I was second grade and there was a little boy who had been exposed to a lot. He had an uh, uh, uncle that lived with them that was like a teenager and babysat right. a lot. So he had seen a lot of inappropriate movies, magazines, things. So this little right. boy kind Jeez. of, right. Um, this little boy began to try to force kiss girls on the playground. Okay. Oh, no. And say really like literally like I want to, I'll just tell you what he said. I want to be naked with you. We make a baby. Like he didn't, he didn't, I don't think he knew what it meant, but he kept trying to right. force kiss the girls because he had seen some inappropriate stuff. So I had heard that my son told me like he does that. And I said, you got it. You can't let him do that. You either, you know, you got to tell him to stop it. You have to tell the teacher, you know, you don't let that happen. It's not right. Right. The conversation that we have the next day he goes to school and there was a little girl that the the kid that was trying to kiss was trying to kiss her. She ran behind my son. When the kid ran around, tried to get around him, my son popped him. Um, okay. <laughs> he has no business hitting people. He was completely wrong. But they wanted to suspend him. And I said, I, you can, uh, or it was in school. I, I said, you can, but I'm going to come and sit with him the entire time. I said, right, right. he does deserve, he shouldn't have put his hands, but they had told the teacher. The teacher was not paying attention. They had been telling right. the teacher. So I don't know what you expect an eight-year-old who is honorable to do in this situation. She needed right. protection. She ran to him. He hit the kid and said, stop it. He didn't beat him up. He didn't lay him down on the ground and spin on him, kick on him. He's, and the kid stopped. I'm like, I guess I don't know what to say. You're right. He deserves to get in trouble for hitting because hitting is not okay ever, ever, ever. But in a child's mind, it is. Well, he was right. He was like, I'm going to protect. Well, that's the thing. It's, there's, it's just, it's such, there's, there's like a lot of not communication. And I understand like schools have to like, well, we, we need, no, he can't do that. We have to like, you know, show the other kids that that's not okay. And it's like, oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's that part of parenting, but that part of parenting is always right. I mean, maybe our parents didn't know everything, but it's always those kind of waters like, Hey, just be good and, and look around you and make sure like, if someone needs help, you go help them. Yeah. Well, you know, I, like we were lucky, be good citizen. The girl's parents came in and said, do not punish him. That is not, plus it was a Catholic school and we were paying for that education. So they, they had to right. listen to us just a little <laughs> bit, but you know, it is what it is. I allowed him to be, have detention before school and after school for a week because you don't put your hands on people. But I think right. 
I, I didn't want to stop that part of him that cared about other people. Right. And he was like, right. And when you're that age, sometimes you don't know, you don't know what you're doing. No, totally. Well, I'm going to let, we're going to end this, even though I could talk to you for hours and hours. I totally adore you. And I can't wait to come. And when you're like, I'm going to meet you on the road. I think I'm I'm so excited. Are you close to West Nyack? Yeah. 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 So I'm out in Long Island at the beach. But Oh, so then you're coming to Governor's on May 13th. Come to Governor's on May 13th. Oh my God. May 13th. I'm writing it down. It's, Friday, it's so exciting. Mother's Day weekend, May 13th. It's also my birthday weekend. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, oh my God, I love that. I love that. Well, I have to read because we do have two sponsors, so I'm going to read them really quickly. So Together Women Rise is a dedicated to ensuring that every woman and girl has the opportunity to live freely, pursue her dreams, and reach her full potential. We are a powerful community of women and allies engaged in learning, giving, and community building. Visit togetherwomenrise.org, that's .org, to learn more and join them. You guys, you have to go, even if, just check out their website because they're doing such amazing things, not just in the United States, but all throughout the, the world and really making a difference in, in equality, but also helping communities help all, not just women, but help men to create and, and be able to serve their families and, and, and have, I mean, they, I can't even tell you, they did something in Ethiopia where they gave, and I think it was Ethiopia, um, this farming land, this little plot, and they taught them how to farm. And now it's gone to like millions of people. Like, so this is a really great organization. So again, it's togetherwomenrise.org. And the other one is, have you ever been listening to your favorite podcast and that moment comes up? Like just here, have you guys been listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to share that with someone? Well, now you can with an app called Picked Cherries. So instead of sending the whole episode, you can go on Picked Cherries and get just a little snippet and that's called Picked Cherries. And you can share it with your friends and family. So you're not just sending a whole episode because how many times do you send your friend like a whole episode and they're like, yeah, I don't have time for it. But you send them a little, it's almost like sending a TikTok or an IG and they can listen to that little part and then they can get involved in your favorite podcast. Again, it's uh, available at Android and iOS, and that's called Picked Cherries. Definitely check it out and download that and start listening to your favorite podcast on there. Awesome. So, so fun. Yes. Some fun stuff. So I cannot wait. You know, Tammy, thank you again. Sorry for the confusion in the beginning, but I just absolutely adore you. I could do this forever. I mean, we could you know, go out and have drinks and, um, I mean, really talk forever and just make each other laugh. We definitely are going to do that. And and it's no problem. Uh, listen, we made it work. So we'll talk again soon. I'm sure you and I are going to talk a whole bunch. Good to see you. (laughs) You too. All right, everyone. Thank you. And thanks, Tammy. And wherever you guys are listening, thank you for, for joining YNS Live. I'm Juliette Hahn and we will see you guys later.